us call ourselves to worship. I will thank you, Lord, with all my heart. We will talk about all your wonderful acts. We will celebrate and rejoice in you. We will sing praises to your name most high. Let us worship God. O oh God, our Father, help us in the study of your word to find guidance for our problems, strength for our temptations, power for our task, comfort for our sorrows, and your fellowship for our loneliness. When we are restless and distracted, let your word calm our troubled hearts with the peace that passes understanding. In the study of your word, open your hand and satisfy our need. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The ninth psalm uses the forms and language of individual prayer, prayers of help and thanksgiving, and a little less prominently, a hymn of praise. How individual was this prayer? Well, in the first two verses, there were five. I statements, I will, I will give thanks, I will tell, I will be glad, I will exult, I will sing. And then in 14th verse, I will recount and I will rejoice. You get the idea? This is personal. The writer of Psalm 9 has personified the congregation as, as an individual and he's given them the role of the lowly, the role of the wicked enemy is assigned or called the nations. The situation is that the faithful are beset and threatened by conditions and incidents caused by those who have power over them. You ever been in a situation where somebody else had power over you? Well, earlier, Erica read for us the first eight verses of Psalm 9, and we use those first two verses to call ourselves to worship. So we will start our reading at the ninth verse. Perhaps I should also mention that the ninth and 10th Psalms are thought to have been one Psalm to begin with originally. One, rather, one reason is that the two Psalms together make what is called an acrostic Psalm. You remember I've mentioned before, acrostic Psalms use an alphabetic pattern like A, B, C, D, and so on, but in Hebrew, Aleph, Gimel, and so on. There are about seven other acrostic Psalms in the book of Psalms. One thing this pattern did was to make it, it made it easier to memorize a longer psalm, but it also, it was a way to acknowledge that the language itself is a blessing because it gives us a way to express our love for, our praise for God. Another reason they think it's, uh, was originally two psalms, well, I mean, originally one, is that this psalm ends with that selah. No psalm ends with that, that's always in the middle or of a psalm, not the end. Well, today I'll mention parts of Psalm 10, but I'm not gonna read all of it here. You might say I'm gonna give you a, an 18 verse discount today. <laughs> well, starting at the ninth verse of the ninth psalm, listen now for God's word. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. 
Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the peoples. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See what I suffer from those who hate me. You are the one who lifts me up from the gates of death so that I may recount all your praises. And in the gates of daughter Zion, rejoice in your deliverance. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid. Has their own foot been caught? The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall depart to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor perish forever. Rise up, O Lord, do not let mortals prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are only human. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, Psalm 9 is a prayer that begins by thanking God for saving from enemies, enemies who turn out to be wicked nations. The psalm turns from praise to lament for current troubles where nations seem, seem to act without any consequences where nations forget who is in charge and even call God's sovereignty, God's rule into question. And then this night's psalm is also a prayer that pleads for God to act by judging the nations and rescuing the lowly, the oppressed. You could say this psalm tells us three basic things. First, that God is the stronghold, the refuge of the oppressed. Secondly, that you and I, that we can call on God for deliverance. And third, that God will judge the nations. They may not think so, but God will. The 18th verse says, The needy shall not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor perish forever. In that next psalm, the Psalm 10, the verses 2 through 4, predict the downfall of the wicked, saying, in arrogance, the wicked persecute the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desires of their heart, those greedy for gain, curse and renounce the Lord. In the pride of their countenance, the wicked say, God will not seek it out. All their thoughts are, there is no God. Now Psalm 10 says the wicked think that way because they think in their heart God's forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Can you hear that? The characteristic of the wicked, the, the thing that gets them in trouble is arrogance. They think no one is looking. No one will see. No one will do anything. So we can do whatever we want with no consequences. There's a lot of that kind of thinking today, too. Well, the psalmist pleads, Rise up, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the oppressed. 
And in Psalm 10, the psalmist asks, why do the wicked renounce God and say in their hearts, you will not call us to account? And this night psalm ended with a, uh, with a call for God to judge the nations. Rise up. Do not let mortals prevail. Let the nations be judged. Let them know they are only human. I mentioned before a psalm scholar that one of my Facebook friends, Rolf Jacobson, pointed out that in Psalm 10, the psalmist uses body metaphors to describe the wicked. Um, the seventh verse of that psalm says, their mouths are filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under their tongues are mischief and iniquity. In the next verse, their eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. Well, just as the bodies of the wicked embody their lack of faith, we embody our faith in our actions, the everyday decisions we make, the actions we take, proclaim our inner beliefs. By what we say or don't say, by what we do or don't do, we proclaim our faith or our lack of faith. There's a scholar named Craig Boyles who's written that this is a psalm, this ninth and tenth psalm combined is a powerful appeal to God. It neither retreats from reality, using God as some sort of security blanket, nor does it reject God's promises in view of the lamentable reality. It sets those contradictions side by side and leaves the resolution to God. The psalmist's prayer expresses both lament and thanksgiving, and our lives include both. But sometimes you can even find a little truth on Facebook. For example, just yesterday I read, God is bigger. God is bigger than your past, your depression, your pain, your hate, your anger, your doubt, your fear, your shame, your anxiety, your scars. And the psalmist would add, God's bigger than anyone or anything that oppresses you. So, know this, when you are in trouble, you can call on God for help and you can know that God's help will, well, it may come. It may come just the way you imagine it, you know, some sort of quick, quick fix that's easy, but it may come in the form of strength to get you through your trouble. What you can know for sure is that God will not forget the cry of the afflicted. God will not forget the powerless. So when you are in trouble, God is the one you can call on for help. Thanks be to God. Remember that no matter how dark and frightening this world may become, and it can get real dark, no matter how frightening the individual circumstances of your life may be today or may become tomorrow or next week, you don't need to be afraid. For God, Almighty God, goes with you. If you remember that, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will go with you too.